and salutations, everyone, and welcome to the very first episode of The Unfranchised, a brand new film podcast from Cultspark.com. My byline there reads Robert Brian Taylor, although, hey, we're all friends here, you are welcome to call me Bob. Over the past seven years, Cultspark has covered films in the action, horror, sci-fi, fantasy, and noir genres, and that included a podcast that I hosted along with my friend and colleague Stuart Smith. That podcast kind of ran its course, and no new episodes are currently planned under the old format. But fear not, this is the kickoff episode of a brand new show, one that is going to sound a lot like our old show, as Stu is joining me again for this new endeavor. Stu, welcome back. Tell the nice people listening hello. Hello, nice people. It's It's been a while since we've done this. It has been a while. It's been about a year. It's, it's been about a year while we where, where we took some time off, regrouped, uh, tried to figure oh, out... Oh, that what you want to call yeah, it? Yeah, we're going to call it regrouping, and kind of tried to figure out what we wanted to do, and, and, and this show, The Unfranchised, is what we decided we wanted to do. Uh, despite the fact that Stu and I are both returning, The Unfranchised is going to be a very different beast. This is not a show where we will be discussing the new Star Wars or the new Marvel movie. We are not going to be talking Fast and Furious or Mission Impossible as much as we love those films. There are plenty of other podcasts, too many other podcasts out there that do that very thing. Instead, with the unfranchised, we are going to focus on those little movies that pop up that aren't part of some giant extended universe, that aren't based on a known intellectual property that aren't put into 4,000 theaters by Disney on Memorial Day weekend. We used to call those types of movies indies, although I'm honestly not sure indies as I used to know them even exist anymore. But there are still plenty of films out there that aren't giant franchise movies. And in a time when franchises dominate the box office and sort of the online movie conversation, we wanted to give some love to the little guy, the unfranchised, so to speak. Now, a lot of the movies we want to cover are going to be streaming releases, those weird little genre films that pop up on Netflix and Hulu and Amazon and all the other home services from time to time. We also hope to tackle a fair number of video-on-demand releases. We plan to cover some theatrical releases as well, if we think the movie is small enough and or interesting enough to warrant it. The format of the show is going to be very malleable at first. We will be interested in feedback from you, the listener, and how we can improve it or evolve it as we go along. We just know that in this day and age, when it seems like every film covered online is a giant $200 million four-quadrant sequel, Stu and I wanted to get back to talking about the kinds of films that made us fall in love with movies in the first place. Small, standalone films made by passionate filmmakers with an original story to tell. The plan is to tackle one film per episode, and for our maiden voyage here, we are going to discuss Apostle, the Netflix original horror film directed by Gareth Evans and starring Dan Stevens. Now, something to note, Apostle was released uh, a little over a full year ago, in September 2018. My guess is that, for the most part, we are going to try to use this podcast to cover recently released films in a timely manner, hopefully mere days or weeks after they are first able to be viewed by the public at large either at the theater or in the comfort of your own home. But we're also not going to be afraid to go back and take a look at any interesting films that have been released over the last couple of years. In some instances, a movie might get a small theatrical release, but Stu and I won't get to it until it hits pay cable or streaming or becomes available to rent at home. 
Again, bear with us as we kind of try to figure out the rules of this as we go along. But for now, for our kickoff episode, Stu, let's talk about Apostle, which is a Netflix original released in 2018. Uh, and a quick word about spoilers here. Our default setting for the show is that there may be mild spoilers, but there won't be major ones. We don't want to spoil a movie's biggest surprises for anyone who might be listening before they watch. Part of the mission, well, especially of- given that, I mean, you know, this this show is supposed to be about, hey, you probably never seen this or this has flown under your radar. So chances are you haven't seen the movie that we're talking about. So, yeah, we want to we want to just avoid that as as much as possible. Right. Unlike our last show with with the original Cult Spark podcast, we wanted people to see the movie before they listened. With this show, part of the mission of the show will be to convince people to watch some of these movies that we're going to cover that they might not have seen. And we want to protect the surprises in those films as much as possible while still being able to talk about the film during the podcast. So the default setting will be mild spoilers not major spoilers. If we ever feel like we need to get into major spoilers when discussing a movie, we will warn everyone up front. This is going to be largely safe to listen to as long as you don't mind mild, smallish spoilers. So, Stu, we're going to start all of these episodes by talking about why we picked the movie and what we are sort of bringing into it going in. And I, I assume what we're bringing into this is the raid, correct? Uh, yeah, well, the raid and, uh, the raid one and one and two, uh, but also, uh, Marantau. Did you ever see Marantau? That, I, was, that I, was the first movie that I, he did so we're with, talk- uh, Eco Uai. So we're talking about the director, Gareth Evans, who also wrote and directed Apostle. Uh, out of those movies, I've only seen the raid. I still haven't even seen the raid two. Yes. Really? You've yes. only seen the first? Oh, I, wow. I, which I really need to get on and I need to. Yes, you I, do. I, I mean, I love the raid. Uh, I remember I saw... The Raid and John Wick 1 I saw about the same time. I don't remember how far apart they were released. I think The Raid came first. But I know... Oh, I, yeah. The Raid the yeah. Raid definitely came first. Yeah. The Raid came out, like, at the same time... I want to say this... 2010? Like, 2009, 2010, something like that? All right, I'm going to look it up. Let's look it up. We can do that. So, The Raid... The, the, the first Raid film came out in 2011. Oh, okay. All right. And the first John Wick movie came out in 2014. So The Raid, definitely three years earlier, but I didn't see it. I saw The Raid a couple years late. And I saw The Raid and John Wick 1 within, like, a month of each other. And it was like, whoa, action movies have changed. We've hit a new level. I actually got to see The Raid in the theater. Nice. uh, And it was just, like, that is definitely one of the best action movie experiences I've ever had in a theater because I mean, nobody like even, even if you've seen the previews, nothing really prepares you for that movie. And every, like everybody was just on, it was one of those moments. It was just this great, uh, it was one of those great communal experiences that you wish every movie could be where everybody there was just, they were, they were primed for it. Every, like, you know, just tons of, like, oh, and just, you know, I mean, claps and cheers. And, I mean, it was just, it was perfect. It was absolutely perfect. Uh, you know, in addition to just being an action movie unlike anything I had really seen. So, The Raid comes out. Everyone loves it. The Raid 2 comes out. Everyone loves it. I Again, I haven't seen it. I need to fix that. But it's pretty much as well regarded as the first, correct? Uh, I'd say, I mean, it's it's as well regarded, but in a different way, because 
it's it's not really they might as well just be two separate movies i mean they are two separate movies but it's like it, there's not a whole lot that makes you think oh yeah this is definitely the logical follow up to you know die hard in southeast asia because it's just you know whereas the first one was very compact uh and just nonstop tension from start to finish you know being in this you know in this 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 isolated uh closed off arena almost whereas the the raid 2 is just kind of like you know there's there's a lot of you know political intrigue and and mob drama in addition to you know lots of fantastic action it's just it's a very different beast it's a it's a lot longer movie there's a lot more story involved a lot more characters involved so it's you know it's it's very much its own thing and not just hey more kind of like how you know like like how you know how Die Hard 2 is basically just the the first movie all over again right. but this time in an airport right that is not the raid 2 at all okay so so these two amazing action movies come out and and I'm thinking uh what is Gareth Evans going to get next are they going to give him a James Bond movie is he going to get a Marvel movie what I mean some something good is going to happen to this guy's career now and instead he kind of goes quiet for a little while. We're not getting the films from him that, I mean, I thought we would be getting after the raid blows up. And when he returns, it's with this little Netflix original horror film. And I guess we're going with horror as the genre for Apostle? I guess? Yeah, no. I, Are we, it's, yeah, it's, it's def- I definitely call it horror. It's... It's a period horror film. It, yeah, it fits comfortably as period horror. I, it's, I, a, it's a period horror thriller. Yeah, sure. That'll work. Because it's um, not, I mean, the scaring you isn't the point of the movie. There's not a single jump scare in the entire movie. No, there's not. Maybe I mean, one. Maybe one. But yeah, yeah. May, well, yeah. There, okay, yeah, there's, when he's in that. In the sewer, uh, in this underground. Yeah, yeah there's, 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 kind there's of one in there. Yeah. But that's really about it. But yeah, I mean, the, the, the horror and the scares of the movie, you know, come from the, the unease and the tension and the, you know, the, the uncertainty of who and, you know, of who and what's going on. So, uh. Um, but I, I, I'd still definitely classify it as horror. So we're gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give a general breakdown of the plot in a minute for people listening. But, um, I, I mean, the, the amount of action that's in this film totals maybe 45 seconds. How shocked are you that, you know, this is his first post-raid film? Uh, I'm shocked, and yet I'm not. Because, I mean, you know, it's, I get it. Like, you know, you're a director, and you, you do, you know, three films, and you do them incredibly well uh, with, you know, action that, that everybody just goes gaga over. Uh, but you don't want to be, you don't want to be kind of, you know, typecast as that sort of director. You know, you want to you want to show that you've got the ability to to be more than just uh, incredible, you know, martial arts and stunts and, and and action editing and things like that. I don't know that I've ever seen such a hard left turn from a director, though. Uh, you know, I okay, yeah, sure, do do something interesting, do something different. But this is just this is completely different, uh, and I respect that. I really, I, I I'm glad that he. Uh, I'm glad that he he made uh, he made that leap that he was you know that he tried to be that ambitious and and he wrote it as well so it's not like this was like a for hire gig while he figures out his next big action film this is clearly a story he wanted to tell right 
And I think that I think that helps a lot with this. I think that goes uh, a long way to kind of you know making up for you know some of the shortcomings that are there. You know, since there's, this is clearly a, a, a passion project for him. So I guess the other thing we we come into this movie with is the knowledge of Dan Stevens. Now I mostly know Dan Stevens from Legion, the Marvel sort of loosely connected to the X-Men-esque show that ran on FX for three seasons, which I loved. Um, I've said online a couple times that I think Legion was the best argument for Disney not getting the X-Men rights, because Disney will never make something as weird and wonderful and bizarre and strange as Legion was. They'll never do it. That show only got made because it's technically an X-Men show. It's the only reason it got greenlit. And it shows how if you give somebody a franchise property and, you know, and it gets greenlit because of that, the show gets made because of that, there are people out there. And if you, you know, you give somebody like Noah Hawley a franchise property, there are people out there that, you know, creatives out there who just can do something amazing with it. And I thought Legion was a great example of that. And Dan Stevens is excellent in it. Um, Stu, I know after you watched Apostle, the first thing you texted me was Dan Stevens lays it on really thick in this movie. He does. <laughs> Which and that... he lays it on really thick in Legion as well. I'm not sure if that's his default setting. Uh, I know. No, he... it's not. Okay. Because so here's here's the thing. Like I've seen I've seen I think like four maybe five episodes of Legion. I really need to go back to it. But most my familiarity the most that I've seen him because I watched. Uh, all the seasons that he was uh, uh, of Downton Abbey that he was in. That was my that was my introduction to him. I, uh, see, I didn't even which, know he was in that. I know he's in The Guest, which I haven't seen, which is the a guest pretty well-regarded. Oh, man, go watch The Guest. Okay, I'll watch The Guest. You, the watch, guest, you watch more of Legion, I'll watch The Guest. I'm not okay. watching Downton Abbey, so rule uh, that out. Okay, look, Downton go Abbey on. is actually really good. Uh, I turned my nose up at it. Oh, it's stupid, you know, upstairs, downstairs, British drama. Who honestly cares uh it's really well <laughs> did not expect to really be uh extolling the virtues of the show on this podcast but uh it's it's really well written there's great characters are really well defined uh he's great in it so he's not he's go- so dan stevens doesn't go big in, in downtown no Abbey, no he's very him. restrained i mean okay. you know he's playing he's playing a, an english gentleman uh, and he's he's really good you know he's you know he's uh you know laid back he's you know, just this very kind and, and, you know, tender person. It's, it is the complete 180 degree opposite, uh, of his work in Legion and in Apostle. So, you know, watching him, you know, play this twitchy eyed, manic, uh, right, yeah, manic guy, uh, who, you know, you wonder if, you know, how much of what he's, experiencing is him you know just kind of going crazy it's kind of funny because when well let me let me lay out the plot for people who are listening who haven't seen it the the story of apostle is dan stevens plays a guy named thomas richardson whose sister has been kidnapped and taken to an island and this is a period horror film so it takes place in like late 1800s early 1900s is that the vibe you got uh, yeah, you know, kind of around Victorian times. Yeah, yeah, sure, yeah, Victorian era. And, uh, and Dan Stevens, his sister has been kidnapped and taken to an island that is completely ruled over by three escaped prisoners who have started a religious cult. Does that sound right to you, Stu? 
Yeah, that's, that's about right. And the religious cult is based on it's not a Christian cult. It's 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 sort of a fictional cult. At least I assume it's fictional about an island goddess who provides for those who have decided to live on this island. At first, you're not sure if this goddess is a real thing or whether these three men are just using it to hold sway over their flock. There's a little bit of mystery of how much of this is real, how much of it is it used to control people. So Dan Stevens, his sister's kidnapped by this cult, and he has to travel undercover to the island in an attempt to rescue his sister. So he goes to this island where maybe he's not, maybe everything's not what it seems. And there are these three men who are in charge of the island, who are providing for everyone. The primary leader is worshipped as a prophet, as a religious figure by the people of the island. And he's played by Michael Sheen, who I didn't know was in this movie until I saw the opening credits. And I'm like, holy shit, Michael Sheen is in this movie. I'm so glad we picked this for our first episode. Because Michael Sheen's great in everything. Right, Stu? I don't know that it's possible for him to give a bad performance. It's not possible. So, so yeah, basically Dan Stevens is playing a twitchy... <laughs> paranoid guy <laughs> goes off to a cult run island with a bunch of creepy shit going on to rescue his sister who's been kidnapped by the prophet and his cohorts that's basically the general outline plot of this movie it's there's some again we're going to try not to spoil stuff for people i can tell you there's some back and forth you might be debating for a while whether the movie's going to go supernatural or not whether the you know the goddess that they worship is a real being or not i will just say that the movie does go into some unexpected places it's funny Stu, because you talk about stevens laying it on thick during the first like half hour of the movie i was like isn't this guy supposed to be undercover shouldn't he be toning it down a little bit does he need to does he need <laughs> to be all bug-eyed and twitchy and running around at night on his first night and basically acting like a crazy person immediately probably not the best way to go undercover to save your sister correct then again he's also i mean he's you know clearly not completely there so judgment not really one of his strong suits i would say the movie changes form a lot characters you don't pay much attention to early on end up being major players in the final act the villain the pretty much the primary villain in the movie isn't necessarily who you think it's going to be at first uh i guess the base question Stu, did you like apostle How, where did you come down on this film i enjoyed watching it i don't know that i'm compelled to really go back to it ever at any point uh i think i appreciated it more than i was like yeah this is a great you know this is, this is a great movie to watch uh I, I approached it just because, you know, I mean, I love Gareth Evans. I love his movies. And so I, I approached it mostly just out of curiosity because it's like, you know, what what does a non-action movie by this guy even look like, especially one, you know, that's like this. I mean, that you know, that kind of falls into the same uh, kind of alley as like the Wicker Man and, you know, these, you know, cultish you know, horror movies like that, uh, you know, that take place in these isolated places with, you know, people doing rituals and, and weird stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so I, I, I look at it as this really interesting, uh, experience, experiment, this really interesting kind of crossroads for the director. Uh, so I, you know, I'm, I'm curious what he takes from it as he moves forward more than I'm like, yeah, this, this is great. It's not a bad movie by any means. I mean, it's certainly interesting. It held my, you know, it held my attention and my curiosity uh, as it went on, you know, like, uh, you know, like you said, 
Uh, Michael Sheen is, is great to watch. I mean, this definitely doesn't feel like any other performance uh, that he's uh, given. I love, I, I had a blast watching Dan Stevens just, sink his teeth into man, into, play, into when play dan when dan stevens lets it rip man he is like one of our better over actors right he now. really is which <laughs> which again you know coming from my my major experience you know of him as as, as his downton abbey character i mean again it just could not be any different and you you really get the sense that he's trying so very hard uh and you know with good reason to kind of separate, it's like, hey, look, I am so much more than just this guy that you want to, you know, cast in like Emily Bront uh, adaptations for the rest of my career or whatever. It's a movie that draws you in pretty quickly, I think, because the music and sound design is so excellent. Um, yeah, the 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 music, especially. I mean, it's got this really, you know, moody score that just feels harsh and you know, elemental at times. Yes. And uh, and it's it's thick on this the sound design, lots of creaking and yeah. I mean it's which is key for a lot of horror movies, especially in the period horror genre. Um, right, I mean like at, at any point, I mean every, everything about this movie just kind of feels like uneasy. Something could snap in half at any time, mm-hmm. and and just all hell would break loose. It's very gory. Um, there is a one small. That's a lot of torture equipment for one small island. I'll tell yes. you that. <laughs> I'm not sure why they, th- I mean, they set up shop at the island. They're like, first thing we need, all this torture equipment, just in case. Let's have it handy. You know, people are clearly going to this island freely. Uh, Dan Stevens' character has to go because his sister has been kidnapped. But apparently a lot of the, the island's inhabitants are going there for a more peaceful, solitary way of life where... You know, everyone. Yeah, they, they want to be like equal. they want to be free of the government. They want you right. know, or they've they've had like criminal pasts, and there's nowhere else for them to go. Right. So they go to this island where like everybody's equal and no taxes, and it's supposed to be this you know idyllic experience. But but what's with all the torture equipment over there? I mean, do they keep that all locked <laughs> in a shed where people don't see it when they get off the boat? No, no. Yeah. They, see, they have they that they have everyone bring you know one element. Uh, you know, each separately. They don't know why they're bringing it, and so it, it gets it gets assembled in pieces. The first person A off the boat brings a crank. A person right, B yeah, off the boat brings a chain. Metal spikes. Why am I bringing these? There's you know, uh, who knows. The Reverend needs them, so guess better bring them. There's uh, we're, you know, I guess if you'd like your horror elements to be unspoiled, maybe turn this off for the next minute. But uh, there's a there's a scene where we're about to go through a particularly unpleasant torture scene, and and uh, Evans briefly switches to a first person perspective. Where I oh mean, I don't want to give too much away here, but you know what I'm talking about, Stu. There, there's a there's the, a man the, there's a man the cleansing. Yeah, at the cleansing, there's a man strapped yeah. to a machine, and he's being essentially the, the harnessed. Gets put on yes on, on the on the head. Yes, yeah, that's his that head. Is... His head is basically binded into a straight facing forward position for some unpleasantness that's about to follow. And Evan switches to a first person perspective where you're actually behind this guy's eyes as his head gets cranked into a position and then potentially a little bit broken. And boy, is it both creative and terribly unpleasant. Yeah. (laughs) And well, and then, and then what they show in the aftermath, like I was just like, they're not going to, Oh wow. They really showed that. Mm -hmm. 
yeah, yeah it, it definitely it goes there it it really really goes so there. it's not for the faint of heart uh i would recommend it i would recommend apostle to horror fans fans of period horror religious horror colonial horror puritan horror any of that type of horror i kept i was thinking of the witch a little bit as i watched this i thought it had some similarities to the witch although honestly i like this movie better but i don't know if like if you're just like a fan of the raid I don't think I'd tell you you had to watch this. I mean, if you're like an action junkie that that's your genre, not as big on horror, and you're like, I got to see what the raid director's up to, I don't think I would sell this movie to those people. Yeah, it's it's not something that that crosses over at all, and there's nothing. It forces you to ask the question, okay, what ex? And I I would imagine that this was part of of Evans's plan is that it's like, okay, this brings up the question now: what is a Gareth Evans movie? Mm-hmm. You know, what, what makes his movies distinct? What, what makes, you know, what, what is his style? Um, cause, you know, I don't know that there's anything that, that I could really point to. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's the connective tissue to the raid here. 100%. I mean, like a committed intensity, I guess. Sure. You know. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's pretty different. It, it really I, is. Again, the guy which is, which the is guy impressive is in no... its own right. I mean, the fact that he, you know, really was able to completely switch gears like that is is impressive. I mean, that's that's commendable. Not many directors are are able to to really do that and have it be successful overall. All right, Stu, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get a little more. I'm gonna ask you a question that's a little more spoilery now. So I'm warning right. people now. Not a major spoiler, but still, you know, maybe yeah, maybe kind of okay. The movie's been out for a year. Yeah. So uh, so here's my question for you, Stuart. There there is eventually some supernatural shit that goes down in this movie. Do you think it would have been better without that stuff? Because I still think it would have worked without it. Or do you think the movie benefits by taking a turn into the supernatural and more into almost traditional horror stuff? I'm, I'm a little torn on it because on the one hand, I'm actually glad that it was, it was like that uh, because I like it when, when movies just kind of, lean into things and, you know, oh, there's an explanation for everything. That kind of a thing. Uh, but at the same time, I, I think that the movie would have, would have benefited from a bit more vagueness because so much of what makes this movie work is, is, you know, the, the driving mystery. It's like, you know, are these guys really full of it? I mean, what, you know, what's real, What's not, uh, you know, are they just manipulating everyone? And I think, I think leaving things a, a little bit more, uh, uncertain for this story specifically, uh, would have, would have been a bit more beneficial because I, I, and I, and I think this kind of like ties in with, to one of my critiques is that like, like Dan Stevens' character doesn't really have much of an arc. No. You know, Nobody really grows or or evolves or anything in this movie, and I think that if you were going to keep his character like that, and not really have him, you know, undergo any kind of notable, you know, emotional or or you know, narrative, you know, change as far as the narrative goes or anything like that, you know, really kind of play up the like since everything is is pretty much from his perspective most of the movie. Uh, you know, really play up the, the uncertainty is like, okay, look, this guy clearly is unstable. You know, is, is this more in his mind is, you know, what is he, is his sister really, you know, how in danger is she? 
You know, is uh, the supernatural stuff, is it, is that in his head? Is it real? You know, kind of, you know, play up that angle a little bit more. And I think the movie would have been, uh, been a bit more successful. I like the fact that at least in my, at least for me, like the movie always stayed ahead of me. It never let me get in front of it. Um, you know, right. it would introduce like, oh, why, why is Dan Stevens like swapping his boarding pass with that other guy? What's happening there? And then, and then you find out later on, it's like, oh, that's why. And why are they passing out glass vials to everyone when they arrive on this island? Oh, and then you find out later, oh, that's why. And yeah, it's there, like, there's never I a was, point where you're like, oh, I bet this is going to happen. Right. I was at no point ever really ahead of the movie. Like, oh, I know where this is going. That never happened. And considering that, you know, as many movies as we watch, I'm sure it does with you, that does happen with bad movies a lot. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's nice to be watching a film where sort of the little mini reveals that happen, they, they perfectly make sense once that information is conveyed. And you, you don't have that information until the movie deems that it's time for you to have it. There's you're smarter than I if you're getting into some of that stuff early. Right. I, I know we already talked about Michael Sheen, but I wanted to bring up he's almost unrecognizable in this. Like if I didn't see his name in the opening credits, it might have taken me a while before I figured out that was him. It's uh, it's it was kind of weird because the last thing that I watched him in uh, was Good Omens uh, a couple months ago. I haven't seen that. How is that? Oh, it's man. You have got to watch it. It is just absolutely delightful this is the show based on the neil gaiman terry pratchard book that's on amazon uh yeah uh-huh yeah. yeah it's it's oh man it's so good yeah she he he and he and david tennant are just an absolute delight together uh it is it is it's one it's one of my favorite things that i've watched this year i cannot recommend it enough and he and he's another one of the like it's it's the same thing with him like his uh he plays an angel in in that he play he play and well he plays he plays the angel he he plays the angel that was you know commissioned to guard the garden of eden uh when adam and eve were kicked out of it and he just could not be any any more different uh you know in this role than he is in good omens or anything else there's an actor in a, the, an apostle named Mark Lewis Jones, who plays Michael Sheen's right hand man. Which Do one? Not, which, I, which right? He had like two, the, he had two, two right hands. Uh, the one who becomes more intimidating as the film goes along. Okay. The, the uh, father, yes. the father to the, uh, the girl, to the girl. The okay. One, the one who has the daughter, not the one who has the son. Um, I don't really know this actor. Um, I'm seeing on Wikipedia that he plays first order captain Moden Kennedy in star Wars, the last Jedi. So the next Oh one, yeah. Okay. He's no, he's the guy that he's the, uh, he's the guy in command of the dreadnought that gets blown up at the beginning of last Jedi. Okay. So he's, he's really good in this. Like he is he, really good. He, in he, he is a very intimidating <laughs> presence in the last half of this movie. So I thought I'd give him a shout out. Uh, so wrapping this up, I, I guess we both liked it. And we're both happy we watched it. Yeah, it's you know, I mean, if, if you're if you're definitely into horror, watch it. It's worth a, it's worth a shot. Uh, you know, it's certainly more interesting and engaging than something like The Witch. I, I definitely like this better than The Witch. I know everybody loves The Witch. I'm not a fan of The Witch. I prefer this. Um, but yeah, I I mean, again, like I said, even though I'm not really compelled to to go back to it, I. Enjoyed watching it. I thought it was a, a really just a, a, a really interesting experiment. 
Uh, you know, I hope that, I mean, I definitely want Evans to do more action movies just because he's so good at it, but I, sure, yeah, do more left field, ambitious stuff like this. He definitely got an aptitude for it. Uh, I think he could, you know, refine his, his horror chops further and, and improve, but, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd give it a recommendation. Chad Stahelski or Gareth Evans must be given a James Bond movie. They must. Hey. No, they must. I need. They have got to stop. I, I, I've said this all along. I need an hour and forty minute James Bond movie where the guy gets a mission. He does the mission. They ramp up the action to twelve, and that's the movie. The James Bond movies are too long, too plot heavy, full of comic booky plotting and backstory and twists. Get rid of all of that. I largely agree with that, despite you know, your heresy when it comes to Skyfall. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't, like, I just, I think that, you know, forcing them into a PG-13 movie like that would kind of defang what makes them so special. Do you think Evans is ever going to get a big-budget, like, franchise movie? Um, I don't want to say never, but I'm trying to think of what it would be. I mean, obviously, I mean, this apostle shows that he does have interest in doing stuff other than action, but I, I'm just, I don't know. I'm trying to think of, of what tentpole, you know, that he'd be interested in. Well, we'll just... Or that would be a good fit. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. In the meantime, I guess I gotta go watch The Raid too. Yes, you do. All right. And the, ge- and the guest. And the guest, yes. I gotta watch the, the guest. The and, guest you need definitely... to, and you need to keep watching Legion. Finish yeah, Legion. I'll... Yeah. Which is... Like I said, technically an X-Men show, but closer in tone to Twin Peaks, and Dan Stevens is wonderful on it. All right, Stu, I think we're going to call that a first episode, a pilot episode. Uh, thanks for joining me, man. Thanks for thanks for being with me on this new endeavor. So, hey, had fun. Can't wait for the next one. Um, everybody, thanks for listening. We're going to have episode two to you very soon, probably sooner than you think. So until then, take care. The Unfranchised is a film podcast produced by the staff of CultSpark.com and can be found on Apple Podcasts as well as other podcast providers. If you enjoy our show, please subscribe and leave us a review at Apple Podcasts. Your support is essential in our ability to highlight smaller films by growing our audience. You can follow our hosts on Twitter at Robert B. Taylor and at StubbyDoo. For updates on The Unfranchised, you can also follow Cult Spark on Facebook and Twitter at CultSpark. Visit CultSpark.com for print reviews and essays on films in the horror, sci-fi, fantasy, action, and noir genres. You can email CultSpark publisher and editor Bob Taylor at CultSpark at gmail.com.